But another exercise I like to do, which does sound very strange, is sometimes like in the morning time or at nighttime when I'm lying, it's like I will just literally touch my body and and not like touch my body like in a sexual way, but, you know, whatever. Um, But just really take time to like really feel every single part of my body and go like, wow, your body feels great. Hi, I'm Jordan Syme from the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. This podcast has been underwritten by the following supporters. William Ravis, the official real estate office of the Arts Foundation. The Cape Cod Foundation, Mass Hire, the Cooperative Bank of Cape Cod, the Melody Tent, and the John K. and Thurza F. Davenport Foundation. Welcome to Season 4 of the Creative Exchange Podcast Series. I'm Julie Wake, Executive Director of the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. And today, I had the most fun guest, Agnes Larkin-Hirschfield. She is the founder and artistic director of Brazen Bells, which is a Cape-based burlesque production. She is the daughter of a musician and NOAA Fisheries marine biologist. Agnes performed music and acted in high school and college, but she wanted an outlet that allowed more creativity and that combined music, acting, singing, and comedy. In this discussion with Agnes, we talked about empowering women through burlesque, the art of the tease, and the evolution and learning Agnes is experiencing as she shares how she's moving forward after celebrating a 10-year landmark with Brazen Bells. And after the show, we actually came up with a burlesque name for me, which is Pinky Promise. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Agnes, it's so nice to see you here at the Cultural Center today. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. And... I first, my first question is, I would love for you to describe what you do Mm -hmm. with Brazen Bells. Okay. And um, yeah, tell me a little, so for our listeners, what is Brazen Bells if you haven't heard of you, which is rare? Okay. So the Brazen Bells is a local uh, burlesque troupe to Cape Cod. And um, we formed in 2011 with our first show being 2012. So just coming up on our 10 year anniversary show. And we're a troop of women that has, you know, changed and evolved obviously over 10 years. But our main objective or our goal is to empower women through burlesque. And burlesque is just basically um, an art form like blanking right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The pressure. The pressure is hard. Um, So, you know, burlesque is an an art form. What I love most about burlesque, I mean, it's stripping, you know, but um, it's not the type of stripping that you would see, like if you went to a strip club, which there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, There's nothing wrong with obviously strip clubs. The difference is, is that, um, Burlesque is really about the art of the tease. So, and what I love about it is you can't put it into a box. You're basically creating numbers. Um, you know, so for example, for myself, if I'm creating a solo number, I'm, whether I'm singing, dancing, maybe doing both at the same time, and also there's an element of striptease where I'm taking my clothes off. Um, 
it's whatever comes out of my head. So I, I went to school for acting in musical theater and loved it. And, you know, there's always directors that are telling you exactly what to do. But with burlesque, you have this, you know, three to five minute, that's probably the average amount of uh, time for each number. Obviously there's people who go less than that and can go much longer. Um, for those three to five minutes, I'm creating something that's all inside my head that I want to portray to the audience. And there's no one telling me that I can or I can't. So I'm, whatever it is that I want to put onto that stage, I'm, I'm creating. So the, essentially that is what my vision was from the very beginning was to create a troop of women who with all of our ideas and, you know, feelings that we had and to put it out on stage with stripping <laughs> <laughs> while taking our clothes off. <laughs> it's really an interesting show. Like I, I had heard of Brazen Bells for years and um, just recently, the end of 2021, a group of girlfriends said to me, oh, we're all going. Do you want, we're buying a table. And I was like, count me in. I want to, I want to check this out. Awesome. And it was mind blowing. It really pushed the boundaries mm. and, but in a good way. And mm -hmm. I, I, I love that you said it's the art of the tease because mm -hmm. that's what it was. Yeah. You were teasing the audience. Exactly. The entire time. But before we dig into that, yeah. I'm really curious about, so you studied acting mm -hmm. uh, in theater. Mm -hmm. So what was life like at home? Was this something like that your parents were you were into performing arts, you were, you know. Yeah, I mean, both my parents are amazing humans. Um, I would say both of them are also artists in their own right. My father is a musician mm -hmm. um, and has been f his whole life. And mm -hmm. my mother was a marine biologist, studied humpback whales, but is a artist, you know, painting, that kind of thing. But she's always was an incredible dancer and very the theatrical. And just from a young age, I always loved performing. Yeah. So, you know, it would always be me and whoever friends would be like, hey, come over to the, you know, basketball courts and watch me um, and her, you know, me and say my best friend, Nicole, you know, skate, roller skate around and we'll charge you 25 cents or whatever <laughs> to, come see, <laughs> to come see. And then, you know, those became more elaborate plays and dances yeah. and stuff. And so I left Cape Cod. Um, I went to I, I grew up between the Caribbean and here, okay. but I went to high school here. And I left high school and um, after I graduated and went to Marymount Manhattan College in New York City and for a, their acting and musical theater program. I didn't last very long. I think I was very naive when I was younger. And I thought that, like, someone's just going to discover me. And I'm <laughs> just going to, someone's going to walk up to me on the street and say, do you want to be in my movie? And I'm going to say yes, and that will be it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so clearly that didn't happen. Um, so I, I, I lived all over the place. I traveled. I, um, I started playing guitar. I did a lot of stuff in different bands and um, with my now husband, who's also a musician. But I always loved performing. Yeah. It was just, you know, it was, it was in me. And um, I always also loved the, the, the female forum. I grew up in Woods Hole, which was like a very liberal, tiny little pocket. 
and it was not uncommon for my girlfriends and I, or even guy friends to like go skinny dipping. And it was never like a, <laughs> uh, I'm, I mean, from a woman's perspective, it was never like a sexual thing. It was like, yeah. we're naked and we're going swimming. And, you know, I always just appreciated, um, bodies. Yeah. And, um, I also had an infatuation with lingerie from a very young age. Um, and the rest, my friends and my mother would always joke with me because the, my whole room would be a disaster, but I would have this like one box, uh, like not box, um, like dresser with glass wind like doors <laughs> yeah. and all of my lingerie would be like perfectly folded like as if you were in a long lingerie <laughs> store and uh you know and I wouldn't have to I wouldn't just get like the bra I couldn't buy anything unless it was matching like it had to be my bra and underwear had to match and then I would get you know the brief to go with it and the thong to go with it and if they had like some sort of like camisole set I would get that to go with it and so I was always like really infatuated with lingerie why why I no idea I don't actually know I just like pretty and beautiful but yeah I guess for me wearing it it wasn't like at that point I didn't realize that I wanted to wear it and display myself um <laughs> I it, it I think it was more of just this feeling of it did make me sort of feel empowered that like this was on my body and like my body deserved to have beautiful things on it mm. and even if no one saw it I knew <laughs> right. I knew it was on me so yeah I always you know I always loved that about just you know the at least the I guess would be costume lingerie part of that and always love performing and um, yeah yeah <laughs> and then so how did burlesque come into your life so burlesque came into my life because I had left New York City not knowing anything about burlesque or not having experienced it I mean I, I guess I knew a little bit about it but I didn't know anything really. And I moved to San Francisco and was living with my boyfriend, who's now my husband, in Oakland, California. And we used to go to this show once a month that was amazing, um, which was called Tourette's Without Regrets, which has now been changed to, I think, like the Ruckus Room mm. for PC reasons. Um, and uh, every month they had this incredible show and they would always feature a burlesque performer. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. <laughs> oh, my God, like, that's exactly what I want to do. It's mixing everything that I've ever wanted. It's mixing, you know, theatrics and music and dancing and costume and bodies. Yeah. And it's telling me a story and it's, you know, empowering. You know, there's all these people on stage that have these all different types of bodies and different skin colors and rep representing so much. Mm -hmm. And... That's what I want to do. So I was moving back to Cape Cod. And so this so this little spark sort of kind of was in my brain. <laughs> I'm going to start a burlesque troupe when I move back to Cape Cod. And I was we were moving back and getting married. And my husband actually had known this a little bit about me because I obviously telling him like, oh, it'd be so cool if I started a burlesque troupe. And, and he said, uh, yeah, that's great, whatever. Sounds wonderful, love. And during our wedding, in our vows, he actually said, um, you know, I'll love you for this, this. And if you want to start a burlesque group, I'll still love you. And I said, aha. <laughs> <laughs> so a month later, I started a burlesque troupe. And he was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, he was totally supportive. But he was like, yeah. oh, oh, you were for real. 
Yes, you weren't joking. Yeah, I said, yeah, yeah, I am. So I started it um, with really two of my friends who were, one came from a theater background. Her name is Bronwyn Prosser, um, and she has done stuff with Katuit and is a playwright and she's amazing. Um, she's no longer in the troupe, but, and then my other friend, Amy Westberg, who's an artist, also a teacher who also is not in it anymore, but we (laughs) kind of started it together, um, with my sort of vision and my direction and then slowly kind of found some other people. One of them, my favorite story is actually a girl I went to high school with, um, named Katie and we were in the same grade. We always loved each other in a just passerby way like there's nothing wrong with her nothing wrong with me like we just never became friends but I always remember her being hilarious and I was out at the bar right around November like a month after I started the troupe and I said uh, I saw her uh, we're outside talking hey great to see you how's life blah 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 yeah I just moved back here I said hey uh you're always so funny she said thanks and I said do you want to be in a burlesque troupe (laughs) she said sure what's a burlesque? <laughs> what's burlesque? <laughs> and I said, come to my house on Tuesday and I'll tell you everything. And so she came and I remember nervously kind of being like, oh God, like I don't know her that well, but I really hope she wants to do it. And afterwards I said, what do you think? And she said, I'm in. And she's been the, she's the only member of the troupe that's been with me the whole entire time. And she's in turn now is, you know, one of my dearest friends. So it's, I can't imagine the conversation when you're recruiting, that's mm. really funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel <laughs> I, I'm putting myself in her shoes and imagining you coming to me and saying, you're so funny. Do you want to be in a burlesque? And I can imagine myself saying yes. And then getting to your house and being like, I'm not getting naked. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and honestly it was, it was, it was a slow process. Like most people, when we first started, um, didn't take their clothes off. Um, I mean, or they would strip, but they wouldn't get, um, and when I say strip to and get naked, you know, we have pasties on yeah. and, you know, we have bottoms on or a Merkin, which is just covers your junk. <laughs> Most people don't do that. I think I'm the only one in the troop who has gone that far. I like to constantly push myself to more comfortability with my body all the time. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I'm going to do it. Um, I like to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, tell me more about that. Cause I mean, I definitely don't have that gene and mm-hmm. I am always so fascinated by that. And I think that's what really fascinated me about the night that I went to see mm-hmm. your show was I was like jealous of these women, yeah. of, like you said, all shapes and sizes mm-hmm. and and I just thought, oh God, it must be so nice to feel free. It is really nice. And yeah, sort of like going back for a second about just sort of the like evolution of of taking our clothes off. You know, I think the first show that we ever did, I was the only person, which I think I said already, but um, and then maybe one other girl. And and then you sort of get this taste for it and you go, I'm, I'm going to do it next time. And you kind of slowly are like, oh, my God, I want to do it's it's almost like it's a high, you know, it's a it's almost like a drug that you're wanting to feel more free and more empowered. And, you know, I had it's it's an interesting thing because 
you know, when I'm up on stage and I'm taking my clothes off for a crowd, I'm, well, one, I'm giving them permission to do so. So this doesn't directly mean that if I'm sitting and hanging out in a party and someone <laughs> says, hey, take your clothes off, I'm going to not feel like uncomfortable. Like I do. Objectified. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like I do. Like I don't want to, you know, or if someone says, hey, you're funny or you like to perform, sing a song. Like, you know, there's a time and a place. So it's like, it's, it's calculated in the sense that like, if I'm up on stage, I'm there for a reason and I'm giving you permission to look at me mm-hmm. and I'm giving myself permission to take my clothes off and to, to convey a message that I want, that I want to convey. It's um, controlled. Yeah. And it's yeah. controlled. Exactly. Um, and you're safe. Yes. And you're safe. Exactly. And I mean, knock on wood, we haven't had any major issue or any even little issues where people have been, I mean, maybe a couple people too loud or something too drunk. Someone's got to say, yo, you need to be quiet or get out. Um, but for the most part, people have been very respectful of our art and yeah, so the other thing I was going to say is, is that I had a friend of mine a few years ago say to me, like, oh, my God, like, I'm so envious of how you can get up on stage and you're so, you know, um, courageous and, you know, just to have that, just to have that, like, love for yourself and your body and what, you know, it's so hard as women, you know, especially like there's so, we're so body conscious and, and sort of my response to her, which I have had lots of conversations with women, especially about is that I don't wake up every morning and look in the mirror and be like, damn girl, you got it. You know, (laughs) your body is flawless. Like I still have so much work to do. Like we all do. It takes a long time and it is a long road and journey to accepting ourselves and that doesn't matter what size it's like you know I might Mm -hmm. look at you and say oh but you're so like you have such a beautiful body it's so you know slim and gorgeous and that doesn't mean or discount the fact that you you might be like yeah but my mm -mm," you know (laughs) or whatever it's like we're all going through this together and it doesn't matter what size we are what doesn't matter you know any of that like we're still going to feel dissatisfied in some way and if we don't like amazing obviously that's the end goal um but yeah it's like I don't wake up every morning going like oh you got this like you're amazing but what I'm doing on stage to me feels bigger than that it feels bigger than that because I feel like I have to I have to be unapologetic about my body Mm -hmm. I have to be unapologetic about my body because I am a body positive human who I also had a conversation with one, someone one time where we were describing body positivity and what I remember taking away from it was being body positive doesn't mean that you look at yourself every day in the mirror and go like, I got this. I love my body in every way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. What it means is, is that like when you look at other humans and you're looking at their bodies, like you, you realize that their bodies are you know, they're not only beautiful, but they're, they're worthy of love. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's like, I know that my body is worthy of love. I know that I'm worthy of love. And I, and I am trying to continually align my perception of what I see with that feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but it's really hard. And I, again, I feel like unapologetically, I have to be unapologetic about my body because I need women to understand and, and to see me or 
you or whoever it is on stage and look at someone and, and, and maybe have that feeling go, oh, I don't really like my body. And they look up there and they go, wow, that woman's body looks similar to mine. They look amazing. Like they're beautiful. And if I can do that for one person. You did that to the know. whole table. Thank you. Of women that Thank I was you. with. I mean, they just absolutely love what you Thank do. You. And it it was interesting because I did, um, I looked around the room and, and it was mostly women. Yes. It, always mostly women. That's our. Yeah. And it, and it made like this very, um, like you're making change. Yeah. I mean, I, from what I got out of it, it was, um, you know, positive body image through the Mm -hmm. performing arts. I also got like, you know, it's like sex positive. Absolutely. That it's not anything that we should all be like, you know, that it was just this, like, let's let loose. Yeah. And who, who gives a fuck what we look like? Exactly. I mean, like we're all sexual beings <laughs> so it's like <laughs> why is that so odd yeah. yeah it's also um I mean I I've been to like a regular strip club before mm-hmm. in in my in my life mm-hmm. and um I remember I was with my friend Shelly she'll probably die that I mentioned her. <laughs> she's the one that doesn't listen nice. uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're missing out Shelly <laughs> <laughs> and her and I years ago went to a strip club mm. And we were both fascinated mm. by yeah. the power that the dancer had. 100%. It was less sexual mm-hmm. in our, mm-hmm. you know, and that we actually tried to talk to her. We yeah. were like, what skin products do you use? <laughs> you yeah. smell, like Shelly was like, you smell so good. Because we were so close to them, yeah. you know, on the stage that... um we were just like, couldn't, we still to this day talk about mm-hmm. the empowering mm-hmm. kind of energy yeah. that at least the dancer that night yeah. had yeah. that, um, that I felt like you guys, your group projected yeah. that night where it's like, you're in control. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, I mean, there's obvious differences between burlesque performers and strippers. Oh, 100%. But yes. I have to say yeah. that, um, I have like a, a a friend of mine who actually performed here. She's a burlesque performer and a stripper. Mm. And um, she's literally one of the most incredible humans ever. Her name's Lola Frost. And uh, anyone listening, if they're interested in burlesque, look her up. Because not only is she an amazing burlesque performer, but she is like so empowering in her just everything. But I remember taking a class from her because a lot of times when performers come or when we used to just like feature a performer, they would also offer a class. And I say like, yeah, like we're all going to do it. And I remember her telling me, which I, the way I like to think about it is strippers and burlesque performers are sisters. They're not twins. (laughs) And, um, and I was like, oh yeah, that's a really good way to think about it. Um, but you know, a lot of times I think that, you know, cause people will come up and be like, there's two different things like, oh, like burlesque, like what is it like stripping, like strip clubs? And I always get annoyed because I'm like, one, no, that's not what it is. But two, like you're just like diminishing or like you're just kind of like slapping down these women who choose to work in a strip club. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then the other is they'll say like, um, you're, I can't remember my point of, thought there sorry guys um anyway the point is is that um yeah they are different but I think 
a lot of times strip clubs, people will frown upon it because there is a, a different, there's a, 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 there's an underbelly to it that, um, mm. I can't even believe to un- begin to understand, yeah. but really that, ha- that underbelly really has nothing to do with the women. It's like, yeah. So, so much, so much else. And th- I know plenty of women who are strippers who love stripping and feel empowered by it just the same way. I mean, the real difference between, <laughs> you know, strippers versus burlesque performers, besides the fact that like a burlesque performer is coming out with like a four minute number with costumes and blah, blah, blah. And it's more like teasing throughout the whole thing is, is that strippers make money and burlesque performers don't. (laughs) 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 Well, that stinks. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I mean, some people do. They're, I mean, obviously they're with anything, but I mean, generally speaking, I, again, I mean, I've also had people come up to me after shows and been like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. It's so easy. And I'm like, "Mm, nope, it's not. Well, number one, it takes a lot of practice and like anything when Mm -hmm. you're trying to like you know be good at something um but the other is is that you (laughs) spend so much money on your costumes and all these things that you know unless you're you know if I buy a costume for two thousand dollars then I have to think like how many gigs do I have to do in order to pay that off and then once I pay it off then I'm making money on it but most likely by the time I pay it off I'm gonna want to pay for some more costumes to do a new one (laughs) you know (laughs) and the costumes are extravagant Mm. yeah so they're really fun yeah and um have you ever had a malfunction oh my god so many so many (laughs) (laughs) i've had so many malfunctions um most malfunctions um i tend to with my costumes i really like to do a lot of weird technical things like I have a number where I spin guns and I saw that. Thank you. Yeah, um, there was a couple of things that weren't working on that. Like I was supposed to have a hat that like pops off and I couldn't use it cause I couldn't get it on. But my, you know, it's, it's rigged. So w- with like, I have a costumer who does like has a 3d printer and makes these things and I can pull and it's supposed to look like my costume is being shot off me. So I have a lot of like weird <laughs> technical things like that, that happens to me where I'm just like, God damn it. My thing didn't go off again. Or I'm like, I, I'm always constantly saying to myself, my next solo, I'm not going to put anything weird in it. I'm just going to have clothes and it's just going to come off me. But I always am <laughs> like, Oh, but like, let's put a zipper in the back and it pulls backward or whatever. Um, but most of my malfunctions have been things like <laughs> forgetting to put my pasties on. <laughs> like, Cause a lot of times, you know, when you see a full brazen bell show, um, we're in like seven, eight numbers. So we're doing quick changes and quick changes mean like taking off your pasties and putting on new ones between yeah. everything. And so I like, I just remember going out and, you know, I was doing a number called Mambo Italiano to Rosemary Clooney's Mambo Italiano and all the girls are around me and I'm like bending over this big pot of fake pasta and I am I take off my clothes and I'm being covered by the pot but by the end I'm supposed to come up and like thank goodness I like note I like looked down and said oh I don't have I don't that. have my pasties on so I just <laughs> instead of you know putting my hands all the way up I just covered my my, <laughs> my nipples. like a true professional yes um but there's so many things another time 
or not even just me, but also Sundown, who is the girl who's been in the troupe the longest. She's like, we've been almost on stage. And like, <laughs> I mean, we all have tights and, you know, capizio, like fishnets and this, that. And yeah. we're like, um, you forgot to put your bottoms on, you know, <laughs> and she's caught herself. Another time she does this old lady act, which is really hilarious, called Mama Suede. And she, um, one of the other troop members, Bobby Pins, had just bought her these new <laughs> glasses to wear and she had spray painted them silver. So she put them on for her act, which was fine. And then the next act was a group number and she had to take them off and we're out on stage and I'm dancing and I'm singing and I like look over at her and she has just these big silver <laughs> rings around her eyes and I'm trying not to laugh. And then we finally get into the dressing room and I'm laughing so hard. And she's like, why are you laughing at me? And I can't stop laughing. And I'm like, just look, make a look. And she looks and, you know, she looks like a raccoon and, oh, you know, stuff like that. Nothing horrible. Cute. I yeah. mean, all of us have fell probably at some point um yeah some worse than others but it sounds like a supportive environment 100 percent. like it's not this competitive no. i'm not going to tell you you don't have your no. pasties on no never it's like yeah. this kind of female bonding absolutely sharing of like these like crazy experiences yeah. while performing absolutely 100 percent. i mean all of us are I mean, that's also another reason why I started it, too, is just, like, having that camaraderie and sisterhood between like women. It is, you know, and uh, it's so hard because I hear so many young women talk about how, like, they don't like women or because they're so, they're, women are petty and women are bitches. And it's like, I get that. But, like, it also makes me so sad because I'm like, there's enough people in this world, like, dogging on women. Like, you're a right. woman. Don't dog on women. Like, let's help each other. Let's build each other up, you know? It's... It saddens me. So I feel really lucky and really super blessed that I've got to work with these women and to and to find them because, you know, they have ended up being some of my best friends. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell. Yeah. That there's like a bond. Yeah. A hundred percent. Tell me about the names. How do you come up with names? So names are I actually have like a running list of names that like every time I think of one, I write it in my phone like notes, I love that. Um, which is really fun. Um, most people come up with their own names. Um, I've come up with um, probably like a handful of people's names because they're just like, I have no idea. Like, help me. Um, what would you name me? Ooh, I'm going to have to take a look at my list. <laughs> Jordan's like, I knew she was going to ask <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I mean, ginger would be the obvious Right, that's start. what I was thinking. Something um, gingery. Yeah. Um, which gingers are very, very common in in the burlesque community. Another thing too is is like you don't ever have the same name as someone else. It's the same thing in like the drag world. Like a boat. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. The boat or <laughs> yeah. drag community. Um oh, right. Yeah. Right, so yeah. like you I didn't actually know this when we first started. <laughs> um but I yeah, so like you'll you kind of do your research and you say, okay, someone else has taken that. I got to find something else. So like the girls in the troop now are sundown shenanigans. She came up with that name and that suits her very well. She's like our funny girl. Um, and then there's Bobby pins who, I love that. yeah, she's lovely. And she's actually an amazing opera singer too, but she's like 
she's very pinup, like her, like not just on stage, off stage. So it kind of makes sense, I think, in her persona. And then we have Lacey Stiletto, and she came up with that. She's like a little firecracker kind of little stabby thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's little and, yeah. and fierce. Um, and then Sylvie Bullet. Um, I actually came up with that name for her. I love it. Um, and it, it does suit her really well. Um, and you're Pepper Grinds. And I'm Pepper Grinds, yeah. <laughs> and I actually started out as Scarlet Fever um, because I had Scarlet Fever when I was 15, weirdly enough. But then I, before I knew it wasn't okay to have someone else's name, I was looking up something and there was this Scarlet Fever person in England who wasn't a burlesque performer. She was like on one of those shows where you try to find out who the real burlesque performer is. Like she went in and trained for a week and then the judges had to whatever. Her name was Scarlet Fever. And I was like, I can't have the same name as someone else. I mean, I'll probably do nothing with this, but, and no one will ever know me, but I can't <laughs> live with myself. So I said, I'm not going to do Scarlet Fever. And then for a couple of weeks, I was like, I knew I wanted the name Pepper. I just loved that name. And mostly because I loved Annie, the movie Annie and the the show Annie and Pepper. I just loved her character and oh, I yeah. really identified <laughs> with her, I guess. And so I was like, Pepper, Pepper what? Pepper Potts? No, that's already something like Pepper Mills. No, that's Pepper. And then finally, after two weeks, like of me lying in bed, like every night, like being like trying to come up with it, I was like, Pepper Grinds, Pepper <gasps> Grinds. And, and that fit for me because, well, one, grinding is like a a move of burlesque but also having grown up in the caribbean it's all about like winding and grinding and you know so i <laughs> said that's the one i'm taking it and i can't imagine being a scarlet like i'm pepper for sure yeah pepper yeah. grinds yeah. i love yeah. it i yeah. love it i'm gonna have to like think on my yeah my well name. afterwards too we can look in my phone okay <laughs> i'll get an assignment yeah um so tell me what's next for Brazen Bells. And yeah. I have two questions, actually. Um, one is, you know, how, before we get to that one, how have audiences changed since you started? So that also kind of goes back to the slow sort of progression of the Brazen Bells. Like I said, when we first started, there wasn't a ton of revealing stuff. It was like, ooh, I'll take off my sweater. Here's a jacket or you know, <laughs> here's my scarf. Um, and I think that really helped because I had no idea if the community was going to embrace us or hate us. And so our first show, which was incredible, which is at the landfall in Woods Hole, we didn't have a stage. We didn't have lights. I mean, we had like clamp lights and like a long extension cord with like a on off switch, like not even like <laughs> It was just like, all right. And no, like no stage. We had like sheets for, I mean, it was very, very grassroots, like super low, 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 low budget. And we, you know, oversold tickets. There's like 350 people there. People are hanging from the rafters. Like I didn't, we also, I mean, I think our show la lasted about four hours because I just kept on coming. We kept on coming up with more and more content because I was like, I don't really know how long it's supposed to be. I feel like we need more. And some <laughs> of us did solos. We did group numbers. But then we also did vignettes, black and white vignettes that I recorded on my iPhone um, that looked old timey yeah. in between each act. Oh, my God. That were like, you know, uh, two minutes long. And the, each of them or there was like eight of them or something that... um showcase each individual performer and kind of introduce the audience to who we were our stage you know personas 
And so we had eight of those plus I think like 18 or 20. I mean, it was ridiculous. There's so, so much. So we started there and then, uh, right after that, we grumpy's pub had said, you know, do you want to come and do something? And we started doing something there once a month and then we sort of moved on from there. But as we progressed, we started taking off a little bit more clothes. We also started going to festivals, which really opened us up to understanding that it, because even though burlesque, you couldn't put it into box into, even though you can't put burlesque into a box. When I first started, I, that's why I loved it, but I was still putting us in a box in that, in the sense that I was like, all the music we use has to be from 1960 or before, or it has to have a retro feel. And all of our hair has to be in victory rolls. Um, we're not, we can't wear jewelry. We can't have any lipstick. I mean, or we red has, everyone has to wear red lipstick. Um, it was very <laughs> like cheesecake. And in fact, so much that we like kind of joke about how, when we first started that we were like the Mickey Mouse club of burlesque, <laughs> like the Disney of burlesque. Um, but it was important and it was important yeah. for our audience too, because I don't know if we started where we're at now, then if people would be able to handle it. Um, mm -hmm. but going to festivals also gave us more, gave us permission to, to not to jump outside of that box, non-box that I thought it was yeah. to experiment with more stuff. I was like, Oh, I actually love rock and roll. Like I love hip hop. I love all these things. And one of my favorite things is to actually do stuff that is juxtaposition. Like I love wearing a beautiful classic gown, say to like the most down and dirty, like rock and roll song or something, yeah. you know, like I want to dance to the sex pistols, yeah. you know, like whatever, <laughs> uh, or punk, whatever. Yeah. Um, so it really opened it up in that way. And that was mind-blowing to mm. me and so yeah the evolution has just sort of been like giving ourselves more and more permission to get weird to get you know to not make the experience just about feeling like happy in that moment like that's my I mean that's my our job is to like take you away for a moment yeah. there's plenty of burlesque shows that are do really political things which they're that's amazing and burlesque in itself is political right because yeah we're it's our bodies yeah. and we're women, but that's not necessarily like our sort of niche. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, you know, I want people to feel good and feel like celebrate, celebrate and all that yeah. stuff. But I'm okay now with people feeling a little uncomfortable sometimes too. <laughs> I um, was uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Whoa. <laughs> like you really push it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. yeah, it's exciting. And um, and the control over the audience is yeah. fascinating. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So what's next? So next is our. Let's see. Okay. Well, a couple things is over this last ten years. Um, so the next big thing is we're having a ten year anniversary show, which is going to be April fourteenth and fifteenth at the Kunamesset in in Falmouth. Um, and it's actually to the date, like our first show ever was April 15th, 2012. Um, so this show's literally exactly two years later, I mean, 10 years later. Um, so that's the next big, huge thing. However, 
the other big thing is, is that it's actually going to be like our last big mm. Brazen Bell show. Um, just for, you know, whatever reasons, people wanting to move in different directions. And um, is it part of the great resignation? Yes. <laughs> Exactly. But, um, we'll blame it on COVID. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, there might be some future stuff with the bells at some point. We just don't really know when. Um, or so officially, this is our last Brazen Bell show on our 10 year anniversary, mm. which is so bittersweet and so amazing, but also. But new horizons for but you. But new horizons for me. Yeah. yeah. So, as a producer. Yes. Um, I'm going to be continually through my now other production company, which is called Grindhouse Productions, um, producing more burlesque shows um, that, you know, you might see your local other Brazen Bell favorite, like one of the girls here and there, you know, doing a solo or something. But it's not going to be those big Brazen Bells numbers that you know. But it will be big burlesque shows and burlesque shows featuring performers from all over. Like this, the one that you saw was um, in... Uh, at the Kuna Meset, uh, we brought I brought in a bunch of performers, uh, amazing seasoned performers from New York City, um, who have been you know working in the business for fifteen plus years, and uh, totally totally different show than the Brazen Bells, but the sentiment is the same, and uh, yeah. you know, still still great great awesome stuff. So yeah. I'm excited to. Um, still, even though the Brazen Bells won't be performing as a troupe and doing what most people are used to, I'm excited to bring in... Do something different. Do something different, you know, yeah. and still be able to provide, you know, the our community with, uh, <laughs> with naked ladies everywhere. <laughs> Sometimes a man here or there. Yeah. I like it. Should we end it on that? Yeah, everyone's <laughs> like, that's so funny. I was going to ask her... I love the message, mm -hmm. you know, that, that the Brazen Bells have, like yeah. the, what you give off. And um, you mentioned, you know, you hear younger women struggling with their body images. I mm -hmm. mean, it's not just young. Yeah. We all do it. Like yeah. you said, like what, like how do you overcome it? What do you tell yourself mm -hmm. about like, I'm just... I'm going to mm -hmm. do this and mm -hmm. I'm going to love my body mm -hmm. and I'm going to do it through the power of art. Yeah. So I'd love to just like anything off the top of your head. Yeah. I'm thinking like, I mean, I guess it would be like, what would I tell my sort of like younger self? Cause I, I'm thinking, or, you know, just younger people or anybody really, who's just sort of struggling with, their own body issues. And it's like, I definitely don't have all the answers, but I mean, I think it just comes back to body positivity of, you know, if you're a body positive person, which to me again means that like you can look around and you can look at all these other beautiful people in your life and just people walking down the street and say, wow, that's a beautiful person. Uh, they deserve love. Is that to, to remember that for yourself is, is that, um, you know, you are a, you are beautiful and it's, it's so hard to see it, but to, you know, another thing that I like <laughs> to do <laughs> is, um, you know, sight versus touch is so different. Um, and a lot of times, and this is going to sound really weird, but when I'm feeling kind of, you know, out of sort of my body or not feeling like connecting with it, a lot of times when I'm feeling not 
great about myself or my body is because I'm not feeling connected to it. So like whatever that means for you, walking, running, exercising, dancing, really feeling inside yourself and your body. But another exercise I like to do, which does sound very strange, is sometimes like in the morning time or at nighttime when I'm lying, it's like I will just literally touch my body and and not like touch my body like in a sexual way, but you know, whatever. Um, but just really take time to like really feel every single part of my body and go like, wow, your body feels great. <laughs> you know, you know, like your body is beautiful. Like yeah. just to really... Cause we don't do that enough where we're just like, you know, that, that sort of self care to me is just like, really like your, your hands, your fingers, your toes, your thighs, your stomach, your breasts, your butt, whatever it is like right. really going through that motion, that motion and just sort of feeling yourself and like with like the lights off, like eyes closed where you can really like take away every other sense and just have it be like you and your body. <laughs> I love that. We're totally opening with that, that, that second part. <laughs> we got to make a note of that. This is so interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Like I could talk all day. All right. I think we're done. Yeah, we're good. Thank you. podcast is a collaboration between the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod and the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in South Yarmouth. Hosted by Arts Foundation's Executive Director Julie Wake and produced and edited by Julian Loida at the Cultural Center, the series is an ode to the artistic process and its unique manifestation on Cape Cod and beyond. Thanks for listening.